So there's a line in the second reading today that's been kind of haunting me all week. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God is truly perfected in him. It's really strong language from St. John here. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars. And it's been having me think all week long, what does that mean to know, to know God? We know what it isn't. We know that knowing is not completely understanding something because there's no way we're going to ever completely understand God. But Jesus says we have to know him. In fact, we can't even fully comprehend another human being if we're being honest. Husbands and wives, you probably know this better than the rest of us. But when we know something or someone, what we can say is that we've allowed that thing or that person to influence our minds and to shape how we see the world. For example, when we were little kids and we learned our numbers, we had a whole new world open up to us because now we could count, we could understand quantity. The question how much finally had meaning to us. That bit of knowledge changed how we saw the world. For those of you who are married, when you first met your spouse, you probably didn't know them very well. But over the years, You've come to get to know them more and more and more. And as you've come to know each other, the way that you see the world is different now. Because now you see it with eyes that have been changed by your spouse. I mean, I can tell when, like, dad's thinking of something and he's like, no, this isn't what your mother would say, so I'm not going to do that, right? (laughs) Like, the world is different for you because you now have been influenced by that person. You know that person. When we come to know God, what it means is we allow him to enter into our minds and to teach us. We begin to see the world the way that he wants us to see it. Not only do we see the beauty of creation, but we see the horror of sin and everything in between. In this process of coming to know things, you could call it the process of education, it's risky. And it's risky precisely because it changes us. Something that is not me, something that is other than me, is going to become familiar to me by entering into my mind and residing there in a mental way, but it's also a very real way. Like you know that person through this image we have in our head that corresponds to how they are. In fact, if that process of education, that process of coming to know someone, if it doesn't change how we see the world, then you could even say we haven't really learned anything. So as we come to know God and are changed by him, we can more fully imitate him, and we can more fully love him. 
We experience his love more fully because we have gotten to know it better. We know what it looks like. And we can give that love to everyone around us because we've been watching God do it all this time. And we can now imitate him. We seek to know God so that we can fulfill that deepest desire in our hearts, that desire which is to love and to be loved. That is what we want. Some might ask, is this kind of knowing even possible, though? Can we really know anything? Now, there are those who deny it is possible to know things. They have this lens of doubt and suspicion. It started around the time of Descartes. Maybe it was before that. It's the core of a lot of our modern philosophy, and it's probably why we're in such a mess right now. Because if it isn't possible to know anything, the only person who matters is me. So everything I do revolves around me. That's why it's so critical that we acknowledge, hey, there's this other person. There's at least one other person in the world, and I know them. And then there are some who deny the possibility of knowing anything that's not material, right? Uh, We kind of put science on a pedestal, you know, and science is a good thing. It gets at the truth, but it is not the truth. If we simply take this material world to be all of reality, it's a reductionist view because it takes away the beauty of what it is to be human. Think about it. If that were true, then something beautiful that we perceive as beautiful, when we perceive love, when we perceive these things that touch us at our cores, if it was just this material world, it would just be chemicals acting up in our bodies when that happened. That just doesn't seem right to me. I don't know about you. It seems like there's more to it than that. So to deny our ability to know beyond this world, it results in denying that greater truth that is out there. And it also reduces our ability to desire things. That desire for love, it it gets hurt because it's just this boring chemical thing now. If we believe there's nothing beyond this life, then slowly over time we're going to lose our desire to overcome death and seek the infinite. And so the ability to know is something that it's the core of our being, the core of our humanity. It's by knowing the other that we are going to fulfill that most basic of human desires. Like I said earlier, to love and to be loved. Or to say it another way, to see and to be seen. To know and to be known. They're all different sides of this same strange three-sided coin. Look at Adam in the Garden of Eden. He wasn't fulfilled until Eve came, this other being who could know him and whom he could know. Until then, he was not fulfilled. In this world that we live, to truly know someone, it's a hard thing to do because sin gets in the way. It's quite sinister. 
To repent from sin, as the gospel tells us all the time, is going to help us to see these things more clearly. Because what sin does is it gets in there and it mucks up with our ability to understand. Right? It it messes with our minds. It clouds our perceptions of the world. If we look at what's at the root of sins, for example, lust. It's a huge sin right now. Not just lust for other people. Lust in general, for power, for money, and for people. It's this desire to have this as my own. Like, I can call it mine, and so it's not actually other from me now. That's what's going on if you look at it. So it's a denial that something outside of me matters in a way. I'm going to use this for my own good. Right? And so that gets into our heads, and it clouds how we see things. If I see everything as a tool for my own use... I'm not going to respect this other. I'm not going to be able to know them and to love them properly. And you could go down the seven deadly sins and and figure out how this works for each of them, but we don't want to be here all day, I don't think. (laughs) But that's what sin does. It hurts our ability to see clearly those around us. And so when we repent and we convert and we follow Christ, it removes the gunk that's accumulated in our eyes and in our minds that clouds our perceptions. Christ suffered the effects of sin and conquered them so that we could follow him, so that we could repent, so that we could be witnesses to the greatest miracle ever, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and showed us that life after death is possible. And that we are loved by this infinite God who created us. In doing this, Jesus Christ is the one who showed us that our deepest desires can be fulfilled. That our human hope to conquer death, to love, to be loved, to know, to be known, it's not futile. Let us repent and believe in the gospel as we were told at the beginning of Lent. So that now, as we glory in Easter, we can experience the beauty of the resurrection.